are listening to Shifting Schools, episode 252. Well, welcome back, folks, and thank you for tuning in to this episode. I'm sorry to say you're stuck with just me today as Trisha, my co-host, is off doing a workshop session at the moment. Today is the last episode in our STEM Makerspace series where we talk to Jeff, the CEO of STEM Sports. Again, thank you to Jeff and STEM Sports for being a sponsor of this miniseries. Jeff gets into how STEM Sports was created and how they have a just-add-students approach to their curriculum. A reminder that you can get a free lesson by visiting the link on our offers page at shiftingschools.com offers. We want to thank all our guests for being a part of this miniseries. We hope you have enjoyed this dive into STEM and Makerspaces, the last five episodes. If you have a miniseries you would like us to consider, please do reach out to us at info at shiftingschools.com. Now, here is Jeff, the CEO of stemsports.com. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another Shifting Schools Pods podcast. I'm so excited to be joined today by President and CEO of STEM Sports. Jeff, it's so great to have you on the podcast. We've already been talking a little bit before we pressed record about how we're both big baseball fans. So anybody who's a baseball fan, be ready for today. There could be some baseball talk here, uh, which you're used to if you listen to this for a long time. So Jeff, thank you again for joining us. I know you're you're busy with running STEM Sports, but um, thank you for being a sponsor of this mini-series focused on STEM and makerspaces. And we just wanted to give you an opportunity to come on to the show, uh, talk a little bit more about STEM sports. And what I'm really interested in is how you got started. How did you kind of come up with this idea uh, of, of STEM and, and sports? I mean, if people go over to stemsports.com, you can download kits for baseball and basketball and track. It's just an unbelievable what you can do over there. Uh, so give us a little bit about the background of how this all got started. Yeah, well, uh, definitely. Uh, thanks for having us, Jeff. We appreciate it and uh, happy to tell the story, which, you know, unfortunately, it's not really mine. Um, in, in other words, no, yours truly did not come up with the concept of STEM sports. So it actually was actually created by somebody else. Um, and kind of it, it's kind of probably easier to tell chronologically. So uh, in 2013, uh, a gentleman named John, who, who founded STEM sports, though it's important to note, not until 2016 did he find the company STEM Sports, or, or, or develop it. In 2013, he was uh, doing some consulting work for USA BMX and their foundation. And they were trying to iterate, you know, like kind of what's next? How do we get more kids engaged with the, the sport of BMX? For those of you that don't know, it's an Olympic sport. You can ride your bike and win a gold medal, right? That's the simplest way to put it. But no, these are actually true athletes uh, that are competing at different levels. Um, and it's an Olympic sport. So I think it was kind of a byproduct of off the downturn of 08, 09, mm. you know, fast forward a few years later in, into the 2010s, they were still looking for something to stimulate the growth of the sport. What do we do? And what's, what's trending out there? And so one of the things that John and uh, it's kind of a pseudo partner of his saw was, well, STEM and sports, there's an intersection. I mean, literally, at the, at the end of the day, there's science behind everything. It doesn't matter if it's sports. Right. Um, we talk to kids all the time. If, you know, if one kid's wearing one size shirt and the other kid's wearing the same shirt but a different size, we can talk about the STEM around that, right? I mean, really simple, simplifying it for them. So what John saw was, you know, what if we created a curriculum that used the sport and we were able to develop the STEM around it? And so obviously, for, and, and again, bikes and STEM go hand in hand. You can see all that. 
uh, they created this curriculum and they had a great amount of success right off the bat by brand, by marketing it mostly to schools and school districts where a actual BMX track resided. So for those that don't know the BMX sport, and I'm not even going to claim that I know, you know, half of it, the one of the practices is that mom and pops or nonprofits actually own track sites to attract the rider to ride there and be a member with the hopes that they're going to join a team and race, right? It's not much different say like, you know, there's a reason there's a baseball field because Little League's trying to attract kids to play baseball. So very similar. And so that's that was their their kind of marketing and strategic plan was to market the the curriculum, in this case STEM BMX, which came packaged with bikes and, and kids had to build the bikes, learn how to ride, the safety around it, how the bike worked. And they had a lot of great success. And that was in 2013. Fast forward about 2016, John is, we've all had these moments, all of a sudden the giant light bulb went off above his head. He's like, oh my God, why don't I do the same concept and bring this to other NGOs, NGBs, national governing orgs, national governing bodies, and say, hey, we've got this formula for developing a really cool curriculum that uses your sport to help teach kids STEM and propel them into future careers mm-hmm. where STEM skills will be needed. And so he got to work and created STEM basketball, though there was no affiliation to USA basketball. Sure. And then he created STEM volleyball, and there was an affiliation to USA volleyball. And, uh, you know, and I should just back up one little step. So he has this thought, right? And he creates the company STEM sports, and then he develops these two sports. So STEM sports was basically created in the middle of 2016. And marketing basketball and volleyball were uniquely different than marketing just BMX. He had to market 50 states in and out every right. nook and cranny because that's where volleyball and basketball sure. exist. And he called his good friend, Jeff, me. Uh-huh. Uh, I, and still today, to this day, own a marketing agency called Agency G. And we take on clients very similar to what STEM sports was, you know, entities that really were involved in sports use that as their asset or their tool for, you know, marketing. Um, and mostly we were doing marketing communications work for clients as well as event production. Um, and I'll maybe even be able to explain where that comes from. But uh, John brought the business to me kind of the first working day of 2017, brought STEM sports and they were a client. We got to work with them very closely. Uh, we get our hands dirty with our clients, kind of the best way I describe what we do, understand the ins and outs and the operations and, and, and just really the core. And then obviously the outwardness of what they're providing. Um, and we found that there were lots of things that needed to be a corrected or fixed or perfected to really make the business go. And when I took those things back to John, uh, probably by about April, uh, you know, three, four months into it, he was really a very busy guy. He was trying to adopt a child with his wife. He, he's actually an expert in sports tourism business. That's why he kind of plays in the NGO space. And really didn't see, uh, he didn't have the capacity to see STEM sports through. And I said, well, what if we transfer the ownership over my way? And so a long story short would be, yeah, I, I basically, uh, we agreed over that summer for me to acquire it outright from him. And basically the first working day of 2018, it was official. Those things take time, if you will, in yeah. a legal sense. I was basically operating as if I owned it probably, you know, in summer of 2017 on. Sure. And uh, that's kind of the origin. So that's really the origin of what happened. And so that's why I can't really take credit for uh, the founding of it. 
Yeah. Uh, we've definitely developed some sports curricula since that time beyond that and um, are really happy to, one of our, I guess, shining achievements really today is to say that we're in all 50 states. The curriculum is mostly used in the classroom because of its alignment to school standards. Uh, we're also heavily involved in after school programming because that makes for a really, really cool way for kids to engage with um, sports mm. with this stealthily, man stealthily and disguised manner of academics that they're receiving when they don't really kind of know it, but they do. Yeah. Uh, but it's well received in the after school program set. And then certainly in, in the summers or even fall break camp set, uh, settings, uh, we're permeating there as well. Very cool. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the different kits. And you said the volleyball, the volleyball one is it has sponsorship or affiliation with USA Volleyball. Do you have other kits that have affiliations with some of the some of the maybe national? Yeah, ones? no, and 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 certainly to correct history, <laughs> I, when I inherited the company, that was true. USA yeah. Volleyball was uh, affiliated. We've since gone our separate ways. Um, okay. uh, no, no, you know, major issues other than uh, what really our our. You know, our customers really the education, you know, system, right. schools, and really at the end of the day, what they really care about is a quality curriculum. Um, don't get me wrong, USA Volleyball and having their brand and name on it was was a plus, but it wasn't the necessity or the requirement. And I don't think, um, looking back, that's necessarily necessarily the best path for us. Right. Don't get me wrong; there could be a great NGO that says, "No, this is what we want. We're going to yeah. hang our hat on this." Um, but it just didn't, it didn't uh, continue that way. And so when I acquired STEM sports, we acquired uh, STEM basketball and STEM football and soccer and volleyball. So we kind of got off the, off the uh, starting line with those four sports. And then since we've added, uh, goodness gracious, six more, uh, STEM baseball, STEM golf, STEM lacrosse, STEM softball, and STEM tennis. And hockey is actually... Uh, close to being we're actually going to go to a pilot with stem hockey with several teachers around the country take it for that test ride uh give us back the good bad and you know indifferent and yeah. uh and then we'll publish stem hockey and make that available in q1 awesome yeah. can you talk a little bit about like what do you get in these kits like when a school district signs on or a teacher is saying hey this sounds you know i've this sounds like something for my after school activity or something i can do with my students with with stem what what do you get in the kit it's a great question. It's funny because even today I answered that, that type of question for, we have a distributor that sell, we have several distributors, a handful of distributors that sell our products. And so a newer member of that, of one of our uh, distributor teams was asking those types of questions. I think I know everything, but just tell me everything. And then, yeah. and I was even talking to a STEM uh, leader in the Chicago public schools, very similar questions. So, well, first and foremost, we, akin to the Bible, our yeah. Bible is our curriculum manual, which is really, um, that's, that's our, that's our foundation. Um, and so there you're talking about, um, eight lessons aligned to grade bands, whether it be a K2 grade band, a three dash five grade band, or a six dash eight. We only actually have one K2 product. It's called a multi-sport for kindergarten, first and second. Everything else we do by sport, or if it's a multi-sport, is designated for three, five, and six, eight, and those lessons are actually bundled in the same manual. So when you buy that, uh, when a school or, or or what have you buys that, they're getting both grade bands. And what you're getting there is you're getting a five E lesson sequence, actually six E, which uh, we can get more into the weeds when we talk about what that is. But that's our sequence of lesson framework that we utilize. Um, you get 
all of that content is aligned to standards. So the objectives uh, have a purpose. Um, and there's physical activity, right? Because we're sports. And so everything kind of is built off of that. But to talk about the more tangible items, we build kits that wind up being turnkey so that when they land in the classroom, the teacher really doesn't have any more burden. That was very mm-hmm. important. Another thing I can't really take credit for, but the crux of the business when STEM sports was developed and that concept of the turnkey was developed, we really, John and, and, and whatnot, and we, we absolutely agree with this. We didn't want a burden to happen uh, to the teacher. We already know enough about them, right? The general, generally speaking, they're underpaid. Often they're using their own money to outfit their classroom. Uh, and also the burden that they're under is tremendous. And so we wanted ease to come through. So we know the school or the school district or the after school program is usually the, one, the funding source. Sure. Um, it's not the burden of the teacher. Uh, so when the box, if you will, the kit lands in that classroom, we basically say, open the box, add students. So let's use, uh, pick a sport. I can maybe helpfully describe what kind of comes in that. Let's do basketball. Okay, basketball. Oh, I thought you might go baseball. We, you know, <laughs> always go there. Basketball is a really good one because it, it really is comprehensively uh, robust. And it has items in there where it, you get people's heads cranking on, huh? Why are there hair dryers inside your basketball kit? And thankfully, this is a video or a podcast, not a video cast. I often <laughs> joke that, well, because we don't want kids playing with wet hair. No. Yeah. <laughs> rather, most kids know. Most students know what's inside of an inflated fill-in-the-blank you know, athletic piece. And obviously in a basketball, we all know that there's air in there. Mm-hmm. There's hair dryers in there so the kids can actually conduct experiments and heat the ball up to understand what changes uh, about its makeup, right? What, 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 is, what has changed? Well, at the molecular level, which they'll learn, when you heat up uh, air and the air molecules, they get crazy and they want to get out of there and they want to bounce around inflating the ball, making the ball harder. And then if you do the converse, uh, we don't supply the ice and the water, but we encourage uh, in that same experiment to plunge a uh, inflated basketball in ice water. And what happens then? Mm. Kind of the opposite, softens. So so going back to the original question, so we, we supply, our full kits come with five indoor basketballs, five outdoor basketballs, uh, hair dryers, tape measures, stopwatches, pieces of basketball looking around my desk we actually cut our balls into little swatches oh cool kids can understand what these things are made of again most you talk to know that there's air inside but when you do i know no one can see me but if you do the hand test and you actually put two fingers together and we ask kids how thick do you think this ball is an inflated Mm. ball you get some pretty wide-ranging guesses yeah and sometimes they they in a way, it's kind of ludicrous to think about how thick they think the ball is. Yeah. Even though they know there's air in there. And then sure. when you really realize it, it's kind of like a leather jacket that's got a construct that makes it stay in, you know, in that round shape when inflated. So kids will see the indoor ball uh, swatches, the outdoor ball swatches. We have calipers so kids can measure because they're doing a lot of data collection, yeah. not only in STEM basketball, but in a lot of our programs. Uh, to really, really get into that cognitive, we're really asking them questions that they probably haven't really thought or considered, uh, but the curriculum takes them there, almost yeah. metacognitive. We're really d- going pretty deep, uh, th- making them think about things they haven't really thought about before and giving them the tools to do that. So they're using calipers to to measure the difference between the thickness of a regular indoor ball to an outdoor ball and, and, and explain what they're seeing and understanding. 
and then worksheets going back to that curriculum. Um, there's a worksheet application about with just about every uh, single lesson. Um, these worksheets might mean that they're using them for data collection. There's really no yeah. right or wrong answer. They're going to go out and maybe drop a basketball at different heights to understand gravity, mm. force. Um, some people call that dribbling. I've never heard of that. We call that force and gravity. <laughs> That's how we see it. Um, or the worksheets are used for them to write down their hypothesis on mm. why things are the way they are. And yet, sometimes there's some right or wrong answers that they're going to actually need to uh, put their answers to those questions. Um, we even provide the keys to these worksheets so that teachers have a little construct or understanding of where the kids should be, especially if it's data collection. They may not know exactly where they should wind up with some of that collection. So we provide that. I, I, I love it. And the idea of turnkey is, is so huge, you know, as a, as a former teacher myself, I mean, it was always nice when you know, when you didn't have to do the thinking, when the basketballs were there and the hair dryers were there and you just, you know, like you said, insert students and start having some fun and, and be yeah. able to go through, go through it. So yeah, uh, that's fantastic. You mentioned that you have one that is for early childhood and we'll make sure in the show notes to the episode that we link specifically to a great blog post uh, that was written over on STEM sports blog about the early years education. Can you maybe talk about why that is, that is so important uh, in, in getting STEM into the early years from, from your perspective? Yeah. You know, when we talk about the history of STEM sports, you know, you can make a case that, yeah, we're, um, um, we're, we were kind of like as third through eighth grade, like that was yeah. kind of our niche. And, and, you know, and I'll be totally honest, you know, I, I don't really come from the education space. Luckily, Sean Barton on my team really uh, fills that gap and beyond. Um, so I think didn't take long for him to say, hey, I, I think that there's a K-2 program that, that really should be had. And he dug in pretty deep. And we got some other people involved to kind of look at, is that, is that something we should target? Because I think, almost like you stated, Jeff, like, why, why would we go so early? You know, because, mm. um, you know, on the, on the other side of the flip of the coin, people have asked us, hey, are you going to do high school? And we may very well do that. But I actually think our sweet spot is K-8. And, and while I only have one program for K-1-2, what I've learned is, and again, I'm the novice at this. I'm not going to explain that I'm no education or even, you know, have been um, uh, trained in this. Uh, I certainly didn't go to school for it. Um, what we found was, yes, that the, the folks we talked that we brought in uh, thought that it's a great place to start. There's no harm in, in beginning the STEM literacy at those young ages. Um, don't get me wrong, it's, you know, K-1-2 is going to be different from 3-5 and 6-8, right? There's obviously scaling up. But what we try to do mostly is engage students in a couple of different manners uh, at K-first and second. One, spatial awareness, understanding um, space and their place in it and, and simplifying it for those kids. Now, for an example, in 3-4th and 5th grade students, if you ask them how tall a basketball rim is, you probably get a lot of flippant different answers yeah, <laughs> because their spatial awareness hasn't really completely been addressed. Right. In a way, you can make a case, okay, well, why would you start at K2? Well, for that reason, I mean, simply. Yeah. So what we found is we've got a simple lesson of uh, playing catch with a tape measure between two students mm. and figuring out where that optimum space is and driving that space quotient to the student. So if it's say, if the tape measure is literally expanded six feet between them 
and they're adequately playing catch, throwing the ball well, catching the ball well, back and forth, and either growing or shrinking it. And we're not saying it's good or bad, but they they discover something. And then mm. obviously, and I don't want to use I, I don't want I don't want to be framed in saying good teachers. Teachers yeah. would then identify what five and six feet means. Mm. What else is five or six feet? So that they identify that the next time they're in a different space. I love that. So spatial awareness is a really big platform that we definitely utilize in our K2 program. Not saying that's all of it, but that's right. one piece. And then movements. There's definitely some movements that we um, eloquate in that uh, so that kids are understanding that as well. Great question for Sean on my team. <laughs> Less yeah. so for me. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think the overarching is that we're introducing terminology understanding, uh, making a little bit of a cognitive, you know, thing for those students. And so that down the road, it'll enhance that they'll, and they'll retain it too, because we definitely think sports is the, is the element that helps that retaining the next time they play. Hopefully they're going to understand the space next time they're it's on television or they go to a sporting event, they can probably do a really good job amount, a good amount of recall about their own um, uh, touch point when they, when they worked with our K2 kid, as an example. But then I think what, if you really had to go, why start so early? Because it's, it's, it's adopting them and merging them into those 21st century skills that undoubtedly they're going to run into when they go to those upper grades and third up. Yeah. So now it's about this collaboration skills and working as a team with other kids, uh, problem solving for sure but hopefully doing it together and collective um, and then starting to think about things, you know, and, and dare I say in a critical manner uh, down, down the road. So it just, it's that introduction to it that um, will make, you know, maybe that, maybe the third grade kid that went through K2, right. Uh, is able to answer that the basketball rim is 10 feet high and they understand what that means. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's spatial awareness thing. I mean, there's so many great little skills like that. I think that a lot of times we overlook when we talk about, you know, STEM and of course sports is, you know, kids running around all the time playing stuff. We want that. We want kids to be physical. And that's one of the things that I've loved about the modules that I've seen is we're getting kids out of their desks. We're getting kids outside playing with hair dryers, dropping basketballs, playing catch. Like we're getting kids movement in the classroom, which is something that is huge as well. Yeah. Uh, I just want to remind everyone who's listening to this again, STEM sports is a sponsor of this mini series on STEM. And when you click on the link in our show notes, it'll actually take you over to the STEM sports uh, website where you can actually request a free sample uh, from one of their STEM kits. So I'm over there on the website right now and I'm looking like there's STEM baseball. You can request a sample lesson from STEM basketball. Like you get to go get your free lesson uh, as part of the sponsorship. So I want to thank STEM sports again for that. Jeff, if there was one module in one kit that was your favorite, what module would that be? Oh man, that's a great question. There, are, there really are a lot. I mean, I, I know we've been talking a little bit about basketball. It's funny. I used to work uh, in the in, in Major League Baseball for two different franchises, and for so long we didn't have STEM baseball. So um, my friends were like, "You're like Mr. Baseball. Why don't you have baseball? <laughs> Why is that happening? What's my favorite? Oh goodness, That's such a challenge. There's a you know, there's a basketball lesson when we when I first took over the company, and and we were just you know a little bit you know pants on fire, right? So, yeah, right. And we inherited things. 
we inherited a lesson and which still exists today. We've re rewritten all of our curriculum, by the way. So we're kind of not, if you will, volume two stage, especially with basketball. And there was a lesson called shot tracking and there was an app application, literally a mm -hmm. digital application. And, um, we haven't thought about this. I, I'm going to forget the name of the app, but the app was like a shot tracker where you could, uh, let's just say you were running a, a youth uh, team and, you know, one of your kids named Jeff was making all, you know, taking shots. You could mark the makes right. and misses and get some percentages out of that. Yeah. We'll get a call one day from a school right in the middle of the day. Hey, Jeff, uh, you know, STEM sports, we're calling because the app doesn't work. <laughs> we all stop what we're doing. We take our stuff very seriously. And we're all panicking. Oh my God, <laughs> the app doesn't work. And again, it was a third party to us. So we didn't right. really, we really hadn't established the relationship with them as the preceding you know, group had. So we were calling them and they weren't responding and we were panicking. Oh my God, what do we do? And it's funny to look back. Well, the byproduct of that came that we started searching on the, on the app store for another app that, that could work. And we found one and it's called Home Court. Okay. And um, I absolutely, the listeners, you know, use, yeah. if you're an iOS user, so you're an Apple uh, a phone user, it's a free app called Home Court. There's definitely, you know, paid platforms, which sure. are definitely a free one. And it's amazing. <laughs> so what it does is it takes, it uses your camera. And you, what you would do is if, if you're at an actual NBA uh, arena court, or if you're, if you have a basket barely hanging on the front of your house. Yeah. Once you shine the app at your backboard, it instantly recognizes through VR your court and meaning. And as you start taking baskets, if you're a youngster or an adult, it will tell you if you're shooting a free throw, a field goal, or a three-pointer. Wow. It'll record these shots. It will give you all the data, right? The math, if you right. will, and percentages. And upper levels, it will record your shot. It'll tell you how high you jump on your jump shot. And then you can, you can look at it and you can actually review. So it's a trainer in the end of, end of the day. Very and cool. a former, there's some MBA folks that are behind this thing. And so we called them. We said, can we use your app? And, uh, you know, at first it was like, well, who are you? What are you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Luckily, the, the marketing gentleman, Alex, who I spoke with, that wound up giving us permission. I think his wife was a teacher. He got it. And, and I said, listen, I don't think we're going to be a heyday for you, but we'll drive some different traffic your way yeah. because it's going to be attached to one of our lessons. Um, and one of the lessons is really about tracking and figuring out your own field goal percentage, just like LeBron okay. James and right. Steph Curry have, any kid can have a field goal percentage just like them. And when you, when a teacher presents it that way, yeah. uh, your students are in. Oh, I'll, I'll go yeah. do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, and so, you know, obviously the first round of that would be go take 10 shots and do the math. Okay? Right. And basically. And, and what I challenge teachers is, hey, have the kids go out and take 13 shots. Make the math a little more complicated. Uh, but all the while, they, they get to do it in the fundamental analog sense. But they also have this really cool app called Home Court. Um, I've taken home court, um, not around the world, but I've gone international a couple of times in Mexico twice. And I was in Morocco and I put a tripod, put my phone on a tripod and I would show the kids this, it would blow their minds, right? Yeah. For all the right reasons. Right. And, and often what I try to tag that with is somebody thought that this could be very useful and thought about it up here and made it happen on a phone. Yeah. Think about a problem that you could solve and what you would do to solve it. That's exactly how it. home court came to be. 
Yeah. I didn't think, I think Jeremy Lin, if I have the story right, Jeremy Lin was actually someone that was in the ear of this company saying, I, I can't always have somebody record me shooting. How do yeah. I do it on my own? I want my, I want to extend my, my professional basketball career. So yeah. that's kind of where and that I, came from. Well, and I think it's so, I mean, you can watch any sport on television now and see how the, you know, the technology in STEM has taken over. I mean, we were talking, we're both, you know, big baseball guys. And as soon as every, every time you get done taking a net bat, you watch them run down into the dugout and they've got every pitch on replay. They've got the way that they were approaching that pitch on replay. And we know, especially in baseball, we keep statistics on everything. We know how many times you pull your batting gloves on before you actually grab the bat. I mean, we know everything in baseball, you know, um, so I love that. You know, I think yeah. that's a part, that's a part of it. And I love the idea too of starting with these small numbers. And one of the things that we know that the the T, right, the technology does is like you're saying, it, it's it's easy to figure out your shooting percentage when you take 10 shots, but it gets harder when you take 573 shots. Yeah. And then you get a thousand and fifteen shots. So I mean, this is where technology, right? Once you understand and you can set up the algorithm or you set up the equation, yep. you let technology do the heavy lifting for you. But right. you have to understand what that is in order to, to set yeah, it up. Yeah, the baseline. It all starts with this. Yeah. It's foundational, right? Yeah. And for, and for a youngster, um, that helps them, right? And almost right. that K2 thing, if you can plant yeah. a seed um, so that they're prepared for those incremental steps. Yeah, I love, love that. that That's it. some great connections. Yep. Well, as you know, we're, we're, we're recording this in uh, – launching this in the new year here in 2023. Can you kind of maybe talk about uh, what are some of the things that are coming from STEM sports in the new year? Yeah, we're not done, right? So I think I mentioned before, we're working on hockey as we speak, STEM hockey. Yep. It'll have a lesson that talks about ice, you know, really cool. what that means at, that, at the science of ice. Uh, but yet at the same time, we also know not every school can just go play hockey on ice. It's, right. you know, there's a field hockey element. Or I'm sorry, I feel a street hockey element. So it's a little more playable on the on the uh, playground or certainly inside of a, gym, a, gym, bleh, a gymnasium. So uh, look for that. That's coming soon. Um, no secrets. We'll probably take our STEM tennis program and really look at it strongly and say, okay, let's make a pickleball uh, version of nice. this. We know kind of how that permeation is kind of coming from the, yeah, the, yeah. Old, the older audience, but it's definitely leaking its way down to the young audience. And, and we yeah. think that's great. Um, so we're excited about, uh, developing that. Um, there are other sports that maybe aren't as prevalent in our country because we have, uh, our international phone does ring quite often where there's a wonton for us to maybe to explore some of the other sports that again, aren't big in the States that might happen. Uh, curriculum that has wheels. I'll just mm. leave it at that. Okay. Uh, it's probably in 2023 scope as well. So oh, great. Um, and even bowling. We've actually had nice. some overtures on bowling. Again, I can tell you about some overtures we've had for sports that we're not going to do. <laughs> but bowling is definitely uh, something we'll look at because it's still an achievable, definitely a lot of STEM around that. Yeah. Uh, but, but achievable without, you know, going down to the proverbial bowling alley. Right. Um, there's still an application in the PE side and certainly in, in classroom and on, on the campus. Um, we've had to break the news to st- uh, USA Fencing. It's not likely. <laughs> uh, we've, had, we've had a gentleman who ardently thought that every school should have a STEM billiards program. Yes. Uh, I think he thought that every teacher's lounge had a, uh, a, pool, a table. pool table. I'm not sure. <laughs> and and mm. we've, but we've also, and who knows, you know, there's other sports, no doubt. Like we've, we've yeah. definitely talked about wrestling. 
We've, we've even heard from gymnastics, um, some of the other um, martial arts, mm-hmm. um, because there are STEM applications, and we, we wholeheartedly see that. And so it may be a place we, we might look at. Um, at the end of the day, we want that to be there, there to be take, right? So we want the schools to tell us and the education systems to tell us what they're looking for. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I, I love that. And, you know, part of it is, I think as well, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're creating these kits that are, you know, ready to be done, right? Like we just, just add students. So take hockey, for example, it's really hard to, you know, package up a Zamboni machine for every school and ship it over for, for kids to go and learn how a Zamboni machine works. So there are some limitations that you have to have. Yeah. Of course we inquired, but you're right. The, the price <laughs> didn't, didn't fit in the kit. Yeah. It didn't fit in the kit. Yeah. I just couldn't fit it in the kit. But, but I do but, believe, uh, I, you know, and I should know this better, but I think uh, there is a Zamboni there's beyond a reference. I mean, probably there, yeah. Yeah. The, the, on that ice lesson, we're going to talk about, you know, why was that machine doing and why? Yeah. It's I love very, that. It's certainly STEM related. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Well, Jeff, thank you again for taking some time to talk about STEM sports with us. Again, you can uh, head over to stemsports.com or if you click on that link in our show notes or over at shifting schools on our offer page, you will get a special link that'll let you download a free sample lesson over on STEM sports. Uh, You can do that as well. So thank you for taking some time uh, to chat with us today to tell us the history behind STEM sports, where you're going. Congratulations on your growth, all 50 states. Uh, Such a great program. You know, I, again, anytime, you know, we really focus on this at Shifting Schools. Anytime we can take help teachers by taking a load off, you know, um, we call them plug and play resources, you know, where you just, you open up the packet and you know, it's good stuff. You know, you're going to engage kids and and just give yourself some, uh, give yourself some space to spend time with your kids and do the fun stuff, you know, with hair dryers and basketballs and and all of the the fun stuff that that's what we're about. So we really appreciate it. And it still has a very, very meaningful outcome uh, for what, you know, what the teachers really are supposed to, to get to with their studio so well thank you so much for your time again that's spent stemsports.com you will find it all over the shifting schools website and everywhere else uh, as we continue on this mini series with stem and maker spaces in the classroom thanks jeff thanks so much jeff